Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of smart, compassionate guests, you will come away with insights and tactics to help you find the agency and space to simplify and declutter your home, time, mental space, and more. Hello, friends. I'm so excited about today's guest. I am introducing you to Allison Baggerly of the Inspired Budget Platform and Podcast. And she's also the author of Money Made Easy, How to Budget, Pay Off Debt, and Save Money. Allison is dedicated to creating a space where women can build confidence and learn how to manage their money in a compassionate, supported, non-judgmental environment. I am so here for this work. And Allison is also a fantastic guest to bring on right this second because I have a number of listener questions that I've received about finances and budgeting. So who better to have here than Allison? Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to talk about money. I am so excited to talk about it because you are living it. You will get to your history as we go through this conversation, but I was just so fascinated to learn more about you. And I love, I feel a lot of alignment in our work and our focus on tactics. So very excited about this. And I wanted to dive right in because I do have a lot of questions that are related to things that listeners have asked. And Mm -hmm. I want to start from a place of emotional grounding and compassion and address a very recent listener request regarding, it just said, finances and feelings, please help us. So specifically, I'm wondering if you have an effective tactic or two to help people let go of the shame and the guilt they may be feeling around money and what they have done or what they haven't done so that they can move to a place of taking action. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I can tell you that there are still times whenever I find myself just almost living in the past. Mm. My story, Christine, is that my husband and I, we found ourselves unexpectedly pregnant when I was in my 20s and we couldn't afford daycare payments. We knew like when the baby comes, what are we going to do with him? Because I couldn't afford to quit my job and we also couldn't afford daycare payments. And that's what really caused us this realization of where we had found ourselves, it caused us to actually take a long look at our money and finally total up our debts. And that's when we realized, oh my gosh, we're two teachers and we have over six figures Mm -hmm. worth of debt. And it would have been, and it was actually really easy for me in that moment to sit there in shame and guilt and disappointment and thinking, how on earth did this happen? We have two people college educated Mm -hmm. with decent jobs. I mean, two teachers. And how did we find ourselves in this financial mess, if you will? And while I do think that it's okay to sit in your feelings and feel that disappointment, feel that the negative energy, I don't think it's okay to sit there forever. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it's helpful to shame your past self. So what I did and what I help my readers, listeners, and my students do is to recognize, okay, you did the best you could with what you knew at the time, right? Early 20-something Allison, I had no clue 
how to manage debt. I had no, I, I honestly thought I would never have to pay my student loans back. <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. just was not well informed and I did the best I could at the time. Now, does that mean that I'm going to continue to make those same choices moving forward? No, because I'm going to be willing to sit down and learn something different and new about money and change the way I see it. So instead of spending all of your time thinking about, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have racked up this credit card debt or look where I am now because of those choices I made, or I got a divorce and now I'm in all of this debt paying for a lawyer and all the fees. Instead of looking at it like that, say, okay, what can I do now? Just one step I can take from this moment on to say, I, I did that. That was in the past, but we're going to focus on the present and the future. And what's one thing I can do to learn more about my money situation so that my present and my future don't look like my past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. And I'm so glad you referenced talking about sort of where you were and what you knew at the time, because the reality is, and this is one of my biggest beefs as a parent, is that financial literacy is not taught mm-hmm. in in school, largely, as far as I can tell anyway. And so I've really found the onus to be on me as a parent to teach my kids about money. But I think it's a good reminder for people to remember that if you made whatever choices you made, you probably didn't really have a ton of information about how to move forward and how to do things. So I think it's a good point of forgiveness. And that's why I wanted to bring that up. Exactly. Exactly. I would venture to guess that one reason people might develop an aversion to finances and budgeting is that it just signals loss. There's a a lot of negative valence around it. So it means giving things up, going without. I know you talk about you know, not needing to give up your favorite latte um, and perhaps even moving into the terrifying reality of scarcity. So I love how you frame budgeting as spending in alignment with your goals and values. So I'm wondering, can you share some concrete examples about the connection between values and budgeting? Because I think it always helps my listeners to think about orienting, well, concrete examples, and then orienting budgeting in a positive valence. I would really love to help people get there. Of course. I know firsthand that the first time I ever said, okay, we wanted to pay off this debt. We're going to live on a budget. I immediately associated budgeting with a negative consequence for Mm -hmm. my past money decisions. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of people see budgeting this way. We see as a society budgeting as you have to budget because you did something wrong or you don't make enough money. We don't have this view of budgeting for everyone. We see it as this negative consequence. And I think that's totally normal because that's what we have been taught. And just like you said, budgeting isn't taught in schools. And so we typically see it as this just slap on the wrist for what we have done wrong. And my thing was, I, I did. I lived in that. And I sat in it feeling just like, I'm going to do it now and I'm going to do it until I get to my goal and then I'm going to be done with it forever. However, I realized through the process of budgeting that it actually gave me freedom. Mm. And so I would say for anyone listening to open the idea, be open to the idea that budgeting isn't a consequence. It's not this thing you do because you made past choices with money or because you are where you are now and instead see it as 
your freedom to have an active role and a choice in where your money goes. Because I know for me personally, and for many of my students and readers, listeners, that so, so often we are reactive with our money. We feel like we are constantly putting out fires. We forgot about a birthday. We forgot about, you know, needing new shoes for our kids that they grew out of or a car, a car repair that maybe an oil change that could have been thought of before. And we feel like we're putting out all these little fires with our money and then there's nothing left. And then we grow resentful. Mm -hmm. So we think we have to put a budget in place because we have no control where in reality, a budget allows you, instead of being reactive with your money, you are proactive with your Mm -hmm. money. And it gives you the freedom to say, Hey, I'm going to choose how I want to spend this money. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to think forward to, do I need to have my oil changed? Let me look at the sticker on my car. Do I have any birthdays coming up? And it gives you actually more control over your money. And these things that caught us off guard in the past, they no longer catch us off guard. Plus when you're budgeting, I very much feel like I, I, I'm very much a value-based budgeter. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that comes with the privilege of paying off debt. The only debt we have is our mortgage. And for so long, our values lied in becoming debt-free. Mm-hmm. So we chose to send extra money to debt. But my value also lied in getting a Starbucks latte every single Friday as my little trophy for making it through the week as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so you better believe I included that in my budget. And when we can budget based off of our values and spend money on what we really want, not necessarily what the world is telling us we want and what society says we want, but when we take time to really think through what is it that I value, how can I get rid of of the things in my spending that I really don't value and make so that I can add in the things I do value, you will be surprised that sticking to a budget and living your budget is so simple and easy. I love that. And thank you for providing concrete examples because I also think, I mean, I talk about values all the time on the show and (laughs) I will link up an episode I have on how to identify values because I think that it just feels like this big sort of weighty word. And it's really not. It's actually very simple once you start to break it down and think about, okay, what are the things that bring me some joy and light me up and are worth prioritizing and being proactive about? So I love I love your framing of proactive and reactive. That's so great. Yes. And I will say that sometimes when we haven't been aware of our spending, you might sit down and think, I don't really know what what I value spending mm-hmm. my money on because I've just been going through the motions. And so what I recommend doing is making a list, taking some time to journal and really think through. And obviously we have to pay for things that we value, but aren't necessarily fun, like car insurance and mm-hmm. utilities. Those are obvious, but we're really focusing on some of the other things that we're spending our money on that seem to just take all of our money away. Yeah, that's such a good point. All right, we have, we're going to get into tactics, Allison, and we're going to do that after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oftentimes, when asked to think about what one would do with a bonus hour, people reference things like exercise, play, and rest. These are all super important things, and I would recommend adding getting the support you need and deserve to your list. As a mom, independent business owner, and human blessed with many relationships, I spend a lot of time giving. 
So one of the greatest gifts of therapy for me has been the ability to know that someone is holding space for and listening to me. No filter required. I adjust my session frequency as needed, and it is a huge comfort knowing support is there for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. This online therapy platform was designed to remove the traditional barriers to therapy and make mental health care more accessible to everyone. Simply fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days, I take Hyacera every morning with my first glass of water, and like all of the Ritual products I have tried, the capsule actually smells good. Ritual's products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp., which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Hello, friends. We are back with Allison Baggerly. We are talking about budgeting and we're going to make it fun and awesome. And this is just the new way of doing things. <laughs> I mean, Allison, you've been doing this for a while, but I don't know. I've taken, I had to get rid of some baggage to get here too. So I'm excited about this next question. People have asked me about simple systems. And I have a specific question too. I'm curious if you have a preferred system for budgeting, like how you manage things. I will admit, I still use an old school Excel spreadsheet. It just works for me. A listener recently asked, do you use a budgeting app? I did for years and I loved it. I want to return, but there are so many options now. And I worry about data security and am stuck with decision fatigue. So I'm curious about what you use or if you have a preferred system or any recommendations for apps for people who wish to use them. Oh my gosh, I love this question because I love just sharing the details. I feel like it's easy to just talk about the big picture, but let's get into the details. So I see, first off, I'm gonna share what I do for budgeting and also tracking. Budgeting for me is future thinking. I'm thinking, how am I gonna spend my money? If I have $1,000 in my checking account and we get paid again in a week, what am I going to do with that $1,000 before we're paid again? It's looking to the forward. Whereas tracking my expenses is looking at the past and saying, I know I had a plan for my money, but did it go as planned? Mm, like, uh -huh. where did I actually spend that money? And it's looking back and it's categorizing and saying, okay, last week or last month, how much money did I really spend on restaurants? Because I budgeted $250. But if I'm spending $550, that's an eye opener. That's a, I need to either create a more realistic budget, put a plan in place. So I'm not going to restaurants so much. 
all of the above. So in terms of budgeting, thinking future forward, I am, I'm a paper and pencil kind of person. Mm-hmm. I personally, and I think part of that is how I learn. I am very much a writer, a journaler. And so I look forward to printing off my budget page and actually getting my pen or my pencil and doing the math on my budget page where I can see it in front of me. And then when I'm done, I hang it on the refrigerator. And yes, my kids see it too. So they have I love it. awareness <laughs> of, you know, if they're like, hey, can can we go have a staycation. I'm like, well, do you see that in the budget? No, but we can talk about adding that in the future. Mm, uh So I'm very much a paper and pencil person. That is just my mode of learning. It works for me. What works for me might not work to the person listening right now. And that's okay. In terms of budgeting apps, I know that Mint is now gone. That was a very popular one that was free. I personally love Simplify. Um, I've done work with them. I actually have their app and I just use it because I want to be aware of how these apps work since I am in the personal finance space. Mm-hmm. Simplify is great. They have, I think it's like 50% off right now as this new year special. It is run by Quicken. And so Simplify is a wonderful budgeting app. I agree. There are so many options out there that it can be overwhelming. And if you are concerned about some sort of a data breach, you could either choose not to go with an app and use paper and pencil or like you use just an Excel spreadsheet where you're not sharing your information, or you could always choose to not connect your bank to these apps. Ah, but, okay. but that yeah. does mean you're going to be entering things manually. So just a heads up on those options in terms of like data, the, the fear with data and security. When it comes to tracking my money, I have used Quicken for, oh my goodness, over 12 years. And this is a software program on my computer that I I choose to manually type in my transactions. And part of that is because 12 years ago, you couldn't connect your bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's what I did. And it's just my habit, my pattern. And it allows me to really be aware of where my money is going because every weekday for about three to five minutes, I open up my bank app and I just log my transactions. It does never takes me more than five minutes and it gives me awareness on where my money is going. So I personally use Quicken to track my past spending. You can use Simplify, the budgeting app as well. And then I use paper and pencil to actually budget and have my spending plan for the future. Okay, that is super helpful. And you just mentioned, I just want to be sure I have this right. Mm-hmm. You you would recommend like a weekly, just a quick touch base because that will help you see, for example, oh, I just blew my entire month's budget on takeout this week. Like exactly. It, that's how you do it. Once a month check-in. Is it like on a Friday or a Saturday? So I I personally try to do it at least three to five times per week. And here's oh, why. And I, okay. I know, I know it seems like a lot and I get that. It seems like a lot, but here's what I will say. And, and this might just be a personality thing with me. The more I put it off, the more it grows in my mind mm. as like this mountain I have to climb. Like, oh my gosh, I haven't tracked my expenses for two weeks. It's going to take me forever. And what am I going to learn about my money? And it becomes this like monster in the back of my mind. And then I just keep putting it off. And it just, it's never good for my mental health for me to do that. 
So for me, I have a habit and I highly recommend choosing a habit. Doesn't matter how often, do what works for you. But what I do is I track my expenses. I try to do it Monday through Friday. I take my youngest son to school. I come home. I refill my coffee mug because I work from home. I refill my coffee mug. I pull out my laptop. I track my expenses. It usually takes me, I kid you not, five minutes mm-hmm. max. Sometimes one minute because we only had one transaction go through in the previous 24 hours. I close my laptop and I do 10 to 15 minutes of journal time. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it gets it out of the way. And then I don't do it on the weekends. I don't worry about it then. And it just allows me to always have this, just this touch base, these touch points on my money. So I can say, okay, whoa, we did order food much more than we thought we would. Like we're getting a little out of control. I wouldn't have seen it unless I was really looking for it. So this next week, I really need to make sure we make a meal plan that's realistic, one that we're going to stick to that looks like having some crockpot dinners at the end of the week because I don't like cooking come Thursday mm-hmm. <laughs> and making choices that will help me stay on track before just all hell breaks loose, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this is so great. And first, thank you for letting us in on the nitty gritty because Edit Your Life listeners love the nitty gritty and want to know how to how to how to do these things and how people set up their systems and just to of get course. ideas. And also because I feel like when you develop more of those quick touch points, it's almost like you're collecting data for your own nervous system about how easy it actually is. And I used to have, I grew up in scarcity. I have a lot in the past, I really had a lot of financial issues. And even when I started to become, you know, a successful person making actual money and not living in scarcity, it was this interesting source of baggage for me. And this touch point that was a little confusing, actually, for my husband. He like didn't understand why I was so resistant to looking at my bank account or. Yeah. And then once I started doing it and making it a regular practice and just facing it and then receiving that feedback and data that, yes, everything is okay. Like you're not going to be in a bad place this month, you know, that sort of thing. It was almost like this continual training. So I love that you have these regular touch points that are just like, okay, no big deal. Like I'm just putting my data in, I'm looking at the situation. I mean, it doesn't mean that there won't be some situation in the future that you might have to address, but you're just making it a regular practice. And I think that's so useful. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I will say that I'm a spender, which usually surprises a lot of people. I love spending money. I get a high from it. Like, which is so weird that I own my own company about budgeting, saving money and paying off debt. But when I start getting into these spending cycles, Mm. it is really hard for me to stop. Yeah, And I have to have very clear boundaries. So by tracking my spending, it allows me to be very aware of my habits and what I am feeling. And I get into these seasons and that's a a whole other thing we can talk about. But I get into these seasons of impulse spending where I am so drawn to it. It's like, I'm not going to say an addiction because that's very strong word Mm -hmm. for it, but it's definitely this unhealthy cycle. And by tracking my spending, it helps hold me accountable. And it allows me to start seeing like, oh, I'm falling into this pattern so that I can put boundaries in place before it gets, you know, worse like it would have in the past. Right. Right. That's so interesting. Well, that 
topic may or may not be related to my next question. Okay. And so I want to ask you, I'm sure you've seen a lot. You've probably seen it all. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm sure you've seen patterns, which is about, yes. which is what my question is about. So I'm curious, what is one of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're budgeting? And then how do you recommend course correcting? Okay. One of the most common mistakes I see people make and one that I see people making a lot specifically at this time of the year is people decide I want, I want things to be different with my money, which is wonderful. Like I am always so excited to say like, yes, let's do it. Let's overhaul your life. However, I will say that many people decide to go all in and they want massive change or a really quick, dramatic shift. And so what they do is they write a budget that is completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking about this from experience. The very first budget I wrote after, you know, I'm pregnant, 24 years old, (laughs) young, didn't know what I was doing. I remember we were budgeting and my husband said, I said, how much do you want to spend on restaurants? And he was like, this is for a whole month. And I said, I don't know. How much do you think? And he said, $10. I was like, (laughs) $10. Mind you, we'd been going out to eat like four times a week. Uh That's a big shift. (laughs) Exactly. And I said, what are we going to do with $10? And he said, I kid you not. And I'm still married to this man. He's changed. We've we've grown. He (laughs) said, well, we could go twice to McDonald's and we could each order off the dollar menu. Oh, boy. And I was so desperate for this big dramatic shift, this big change that I was like, that sounds like a great idea. Like, let's do it. We could. That's totally doable. We'll totally only spend ten dollars this month on restaurants. Needless to say, within probably five days, we had well past spent that money because we were writing a budget that was completely unrealistic. We were Mm. writing a budget and setting these totally (laughs) crazy goals for people who we actually weren't. We weren't those people. Mm -hmm. We were writing this budget for this version of ourselves that does not exist Mm -hmm. as much as I like to think I'm going to cook dinner at home every single night. I don't enjoy cooking. Mm -hmm. So I have to make sure that when I am writing my budget, I am including dinners that we're grabbing when we're on the go because I'm running one kid from piano practice to soccer practice. So writing a budget that is completely unrealistic, it causes a lot of this burnout. We start thinking, oh my gosh, this isn't for me. We start feeling a lot of shame and stress. And we say, you know what? Other people can do it, but this just isn't for me. I'm I'm the exception, not the rule. It's just not going to work. And we find ourselves in what I call this crazy cycle of starting and stopping, whether it's we start every single January or it's every three months and we stop. And the issue is, isn't that unexpected expenses come up. The issue lies in these unrealistic expectations we set at the very beginning because we've set ourselves up to fail. Mm-hmm. So that is the most common mistake I see when it comes to to budgeting, paying off debt, saving money, all of it with money. I think that's such a great point. And also it connects to what we started talking about right at the top of the show, which is about the negative valence and the going without. And mm-hmm. it just feels really bad. 
So. Yeah. It's like, who wants to do that? I remember thinking I'm an adult. Like I work hard for my money. Yep. I want to be able to spend it on what I want. And here I have this stupid budget trying to tell me what I can and cannot spend it on. And then this crazy husband who thinks $10 <laughs> is enough. And it took time yep. to realize that and realize like, okay, I'm not a failure, right? This budget didn't work, but that doesn't mean I can't budget. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, uh, you know, bad at it. What it means is that I need to understand myself really well. And that's where tracking that spending comes in mm -hmm. by tracking my spending. I was able to look back and say, okay, $10 for restaurants, totally unrealistic. We were spending $500 on restaurants in a month. Let's cut it back to 300. Mm -hmm. And by making those more realistic shifts, we were able to gain confidence, stay motivated, write budgets that work and deal with any of those unexpected challenges that kind of will ultimately come your way. It gave us a confidence to handle those with ease. I love it. I love it. I've said it on this show before. I'll say it again. Data, it's sexy. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, let's talk about when you've got a little excess. I would yes. love to hear from you about budgeting to save and invest. And specifically one thing, it's a little womp womp, but one thing to ca that came to mind when I was thinking about this question, and you mentioned at the top of the show when you were sharing a little bit about your story about being fa faced with daycare costs. Mm -hmm. So the thing I was thinking about is this seemingly universal phenomena for parents who pay daycare. That was me before my children went to public school. Mm -hmm. That somehow you think, oh, and in the Boston area, listen, oh, daycare was <laughs> close to $2,000 a month and we weren't even doing it full time. I mean, it, it is bonkers. Oh anyway, God. so we felt like, great, once our kids start public school and you're not paying those fees, we're going to be rich. Our bank account's going to mushroom. But then it just like doesn't. And I think that I'm sure it's because we weren't budgeting or planning well or something. So I would love for you to address budgeting in order to save and invest and plan. Absolutely. So we experienced the same thing, but I'm in Texas, so it was not as expensive as what you were going through in Boston. But I remember like celebrating, like we should have a party, open the champagne bottle. The glass kid is out of daycare. We're going into kindergarten and it is very easy when something like this, this happens. And it could be having a kid you know, leave daycare. It could be getting a raise, something wonderful like getting a raise or paying off your car. And now you no longer have this four or $500 per month payment that you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have so much money. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have so much <laughs> extra money. And what, what sometimes happens is we inflate our lifestyle, right? We right. start saying, well, now that my child is out of daycare, we can do this and this and this. And we just start inflating, inflating, inflating until we find ourselves almost exactly in the same spot we, we were. And when it comes to that lifestyle creep or that inflation, I will say it is very easy and just so easy to inflate your lifestyle. It's a lot harder pulling it back once you've, once you've grown used to that. Mm -hmm. It is so much harder to do that. So what I recommend for anyone who does have this extra money, whether it's every single month or you have this upcoming, you know that it's going to be coming up where you are getting a raise or you have this influx of money 
is I would set a clear boundary around how much is that monthly. So let's say $2,000 a month in daycare you no longer have. I would say, how much monthly do you want to inflate your lifestyle? Because ultimately, while you're, let's be honest, while we are no longer spending $2,000 a month on daycare, it doesn't mean that 500 of that won't go to extracurricular or, I mean, I pay $300 a month for extra tutoring for my kids that are in middle school and upper elementary, right? I never saw this as something that would ultimately be happening, but here I am. So I would say, take a portion of that, set it aside as kids' expenses, and then take another smaller portion for your just lifestyle inflation, and then take a solid amount and say, I'm going to dedicate this money to saving or investing or paying off debt or whatever your money goal is. And when we can have those clear boundaries and we think about it in advance, it's a lot easier to not fall into that lifestyle inflation whenever we do happen to have some of that extra money, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's very, very smart. Wish I'd talked to you several years ago. (laughs) All right, Elson, we have more to chat about and we will be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Okay, friends, we are back. And Allison, I want to talk about small but big wins because I'm all about the micro in the on this show. So as you mentioned, you and your husband paid off six figures of debt while growing your family. I'm so curious to hear about any tactical, categorical budget wins that you would be willing to share, meaning 
where did you end up shaving off expenses that felt really, really satisfying? And personally, I love that I'm talking to you about this on the week that we're initiating our shift off of a mega wireless carrier as a money saving move. I I've not been so excited about something like this in a while. So I'm just okay. wondering where where did you find your wins? Of course. I'm excited that you're doing that. I actually did that last month. <clears throat> oh my me. gosh, really? We, okay. Yes. We left Verizon. Uh-huh. And we are saving over a hundred dollars a month by switching to Visible, which okay, yes. piggybacks off of Verizon's network. And we've had wonderful, a wonderful experience. Um, but yes, over a hundred dollars a month. We have three lines. It's been amazing. So, okay, when it comes to getting some of these small but but ultimately big wins, I always like to look at the, these four areas of your spending. This is where I like to think about the biggest bang for your buck because I don't know about you, but I think that cutting out a dollar here and a dollar there, while it does make a difference, I like to see something a little more motivating, mm -hmm. specifically something that maybe I could do once and see the benefits for the rest of the year. So I'm going to quickly cover four categories. I'm excited category about this. Okay, I'm really great. excited. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Category number one is transportation. So this looks like how much money are you spending on gas or subway? What's it called? Subway tolls? No, yeah. I don't live. So subway expenses. Yes. <laughs> subway expenses, tolls, like toll roads. If you're driving toll roads, even your car, how much are you sending to your car payment every single month? Because there are ways that we can make small changes that can impact our transportation costs, whether that is carpooling a couple of days a week, or even whenever my husband and I, he used to have a 45 mile commute mm. for the past four years. I have a much more energy efficient car than he does. And so two days a week, he would take my car to work and I would drive his car, which I hated, but I was willing to do it because it did save us on gas. Being willing to say, hey, if I have a car payment that's really high, can I refinance it as price as interest rates have started to drop, especially mm -hmm. if I have a high interest rate? Can I trade it in for a car that maybe is a couple years um, older and will give me a lower payment. So looking at your transportation costs and saying, what are a couple of things I can do to lower this? That's category number one. Category number two is everyone's favorite and it is food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Groceries and restaurants. I like to think of them as two separate things. I don't ever lump my food costs together because I like to have a grocery budget and a restaurant's budget. So look at how much money you are spending on average every week at the grocery store. Ask yourself, is there anything I can do to decrease that amount by $50 or even just $20? Because that adds up over the month. Maybe that looks like using, implementing a meal plan. Maybe that looks like shopping the sales and making sure you're only buying fruits and vegetables that are in season. That's what we do a lot of. Or mm -hmm. buying frozen uh, frozen chicken, which might be cheaper than raw chicken. I mean, it's still the same stuff. It's just already frozen. So looking at that, same thing for restaurants, what we do, because without a plan in place, we can go overboard on our restaurants because I like going out to eat and picking up food. The convenience factor is big for me. I set days of the week. I know that every Friday and every Saturday, I'm not cooking dinner. I'm not doing it. And I look forward to those days, which means that the rest of the days of the week, I have a meal plan in place. I also 
that means I can also budget a little bit less for restaurants than I would if I didn't have a plan in place. Mm -hmm. So category number two is food. Category number three is a big one, insurance. Oh my goodness, every year, in January of every single year, we shop around for better insurance rates. Oh, wow. Every year, yes, because I, and this this is maybe just my feelings coming out, I feel like insurance companies just slowly increase how much you owe them every month or every year. And they just kind of, I, I don't know. It feels like they take advantage of, of they, they us. Do. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. like it just slowly <laughs> increases. Same thing with like cell phones, right? I just felt like our Verizon bill was slowly increasing and it wasn't making any sense. And so by taking just a, a day or it's not even, it doesn't even take a full day by taking just an hour or two to shop around for car insurance that might be cheaper or home insurance. If you own your home, this can save you thousands of dollars a year. And I love it probably the most because it's something you do once and you reap the benefits of it every single month. Yeah. What a good point. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we just did this. We shopped around for a new car insurance and we shopped around for new home insurance so that we can save money in 2024. And we just switched our cell phone um, carrier as well. And you can lump that under insurance if you want. And then my last one is housing. This looks like taking a look. I mean, obviously we can't always negotiate rent or mortgage payments, but we can look at how much am I spending on my utilities? Am I really aware of what, what it's going to? And then I don't know about your utility company, but our utility company lets us know how much we are spending versus the average in our neighborhood or people around us. Uh (laughs) And it's always like very satisfying when we're, when our bill is less because I'm like, okay, good. Like we are spending less, like we're doing a great job when it comes to not overusing electricity and water and everything like that, which is a pain in the summer in the Texas heat. But looking at your utilities, I know that in Texas, we have something called power to choose where we can choose different electricity companies. So we can shop around for the best rates. I know that's not some an option for everyone, but just being informed of those types of options is wonderful. And then other housing costs. I mean, you can throw home insurance under there, different things that you're spending on repairs. Maybe we're talking about yard maintenance. If you have a um, someone that comes and does your yard every year, can you switch to someone different? Can you start doing it yourself? Same thing with pest control. There are so many things that we can just group under these four categories that really allow us to look at our expenses and either shop around for a better price, decide that we're going to cut it completely, cut it completely out and save money that way. Or we say, hey, I know I really value the yard worker coming every week because I don't enjoy cutting the grass. So I'm going to keep that expense in my budget. Mm, wow. This is, I, I have a lot of food for thought. I, I, this is why I love one of the many reasons I love doing this show is I'm learning on behalf of our listeners, but also just, I feel like I, I, I'm so inspired. This is very oh, exciting. Good. I'm glad. Well, that is why my business is called inspired budget. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It just, it feels really positive and I have a huge s- smile on my face. So I'm happy. Oh, I'm really happy. And I hope that this will help others as well. I know it will. Okay, Allison, I know I need to let you go, but I need to ask you my last question at the end of every edit your life episode. I share or ask whoever my guest is to share 
what is called Your Next Edit. It's a super actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right after they finish listening to us. It can be something you've already mentioned or something that you haven't. It's up to you. So in the context of our conversation, I would love for you to share Your Next Edit. Okay. So Your Next Edit, what I would love, just a little homework, I was a teacher my previous career, is for whoever is listening right now to go out and print off your last month's bank statement or credit card statement. Then I want you to grab a highlighter and I want you to grab a highlighter. Actually, I want you to grab three. Well, no, let's do two highlighters. Let's not make this overwhelming. (laughs) I want you to grab two highlighters and I want you to just read through every single expense that you have. And I want you to highlight it one color. Let's just say yellow. Yellow, if this is a necessary expense, this would be things like your internet, um, your you know rent or mortgage payment, your gasoline for your car. Let's highlight everything yellow that is necessary and anything that is unnecessary, let's highlight that a different color, let's say green. And so what I want you to do is I want you to look at those unnecessary expenses. And I'm not going to say get rid of them because I don't, I, I don't think we should live a life that has no joy in it. Mm-hmm. What I want you to do is anything that is that green color that is unnecessary. I just want you to look at it and I want you to say, when was the last time I used this? Does it bring me joy? Is this something I want to keep that I value spending money on and I want to keep spending money on from this moment on? Because you might be surprised that you are paying for something that you haven't used in three, six, or even 12 months. And I'm saying that as my husband and I just did this two weeks ago and we found expenses that we had completely forgot about. Somehow he had signed up for NFL plus, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And for the past nine months, we've been paying $16 a month. And when we were able to really do a deep dive and look at that, we said, Hey, we're not really using that. Let's cancel that. Same thing for HBO max or max. I said, when was the last time we actually logged in and used this particular streaming service? We're not using it. Let's cancel it. And it allowed us to look And it will allow your listener to look at their expenses through the lens of what am I spending money on? What do I want to keep spending money on because I value it? And what am I willing to let go of? Oh, what a great homework exercise. I love it so much. (laughs) I'm so glad. Oh, Allison, thank you so much for sharing your story and your positive lens on budgeting and all of the tactics. I think this will be so very helpful to people. Oh, thank you, Christine, for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. 
Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.